Hi, I'm Paola. And I'm Joe. Welcome back to Azina Podcast. Podcast. Today we'll be talking about episode 3 of season 1, Dreamworker. This episode aired on September 18th in 1995. It was written by Stephen L. Sears and directed by Bruce Seth Green. The Hulu synopsis is Gabrielle is kidnapped by the dream god Morpheus and Xena enters the dream world to save her. Okay, so we're back. We're making the podcast again. I made a little post about it. You might have seen it on Twitter. Um, we just had to kind of put the podcast um, in the back burner for a little bit because of school. I don't know if any of you care to know, but I just graduated from college, and so I was working towards finishing my degree, and that's the main reason why um, at least I couldn't do the podcast. And Joe is in grad school, and that's very demanding time-wise. So, But anyway, it's summer now. I'm done with school. Joe's almost um, on break. So we're back doing the podcast, and I'm really excited about it. So let's get to talking about some Xena. So the first thing I noticed in the episode was during Gabrielle's, not monologue, I guess it was a monologue. It was She was like fighting up a, a stump oh, yeah. at the beginning just because she like was fantasizing about <laughs> being able to fight uh, like Xena. And she, she said tens of hundreds, which is just called thousands. <laughs> you, you don't have to say tens of hundreds. Yeah. The, the thing that I noticed the most about that part was just that she was so funny and, like, I feel like she was being a lot more silly than she has been in the last two episodes, at least. Mm-hmm. Like, she was just, you know, going over the top with the with the campiness that we talked about before. I never thought about how different, really, um, Gabrielle and Xena are. Like, they're, they've lived two completely different lives, and now somehow they're intertwined. And Gabrielle is just, like, literally the most innocent person that, that Xena could have encountered in her past you know yeah so i think gabrielle and xena are different in particular ways like i mentioned in the last episode i think that gabrielle is a foil for xena for listeners that don't know uh, wikipedia says that a foil is a character who contrasts with another character usually the protagonist in order to highlight particular qualities of the other character like xena you know is really strong and serious and you know she has a a long history of you know being a warrior whereas gabrielle before xena met her she like lived at her parents house Mm -hmm. and like she's got this sort of silly sassy attitude and you know this episode was sort of centered on gabrielle's blood innocence which is one of the one of the particular qualities that she differs from xena on pretty significant one too i would say yeah as far as xena's uh storyline goes and it's it like the centerpiece of the episode wasn't just gabrielle's blood innocence but it was really the the contrast between gabrielle's blood innocence and xena's blood guilt i guess the (laughs) opposite whatever yeah uh because it was both of them struggling with those things sort of together even though they were like separated the whole episode Something that I am wondering, and I'm going to wonder out loud, is... I was going to bring it up later, but Gabrielle's going to have to kill someone eventually, right? Like, she's not just going to go the whole show without killing somebody. That seems, like, almost unrealistic for 
I guess for the way that the show seems to be going, you know, they constantly have to fight. Right. People. I think this, I don't remember if, I don't remember exact details because I've watched the show so long ago, but I think that it it does come up again. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if she ever, uh, it's possible, I guess, that she goes the entire, the entire series without ever killing someone. That would be. It's possible, because Xena's always around. Right, right, you know? right. They, I mean, she's not always around, right? They do get separated a lot. This idea of, of Gabrielle being a foil to Xena probably indicates that it's going to come up again. You know, because the whole point, the whole premise of the show is that Xena is struggling with her past. Right. And if Gabrielle is acting as a foil, then anytime Xena is going to be dealing with something in her past, Gabrielle's going to be so, sort of dealing with the opposite thing at the same time hmm, as, a, as a contrast in inside the particular episode. That yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Because they have two characters that are so different, and, like, their storylines and their, um, kind of, like, conflicts within an episode aren't necessarily going to be the same, because, like I said before, they've lived very different lives. Um, but that says something to the writing, I think. Like, that's interesting to kind of have to find two plot lines that intersect that create conflict for two characters that are very different. And I'm sure that, like... Um, throughout the show, uh, as they go to, like, more and more places and fight, um, fight evil a little bit more, then I feel like Gabrielle's gonna not lose her sense of innocence, but I feel like she's definitely gonna change. I could see that happening already. She's, she's gotta, like, there's no way that she can keep being the Gabrielle that we see three episodes in, like, at the end of the show. Right. I'm I'm hoping that she'll change. Not entirely, because, like, it's the same character and all her, like, characteristics that make her Gabrielle should still be there. But I feel like I'm hoping to see her evolve as the show goes on. Yeah, that's the thing that a lot of, you know, shows do if they're on for too long is that, like, characters just start being written differently and then they become different characters. Mm-hmm. And then... It it sort of it can it can ruin a show. It well, can yeah. make it unbearable to. I think watch. it just depends what level, like how much they change the character, yeah. because like it's true to life that people that people change and characters should change. Just it depends on how much. Uh, another silly thing I noticed was the guy that Zena kills at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. uh, called her Zener. That I wrote that down in my <laughs> notes too. too. Yeah. It, I mean, he must have been, if they were shooting in New Zealand, he must have been, like, a local actor or something, or even British, right? Maybe. I mean, I don't know how um. accents <laughs> down there work. <laughs> well, I think about, like, a British accent, I feel like they would say Zener, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know, that was funny, too. Also, Boston accents would say that, though, I uh, think, I right? I so. I don't know. I don't know if it's as pronounced as that guy said it, you yeah. know? Um, something silly that I noticed too is just that, like, the sound effects for fighting just keep on getting exponentially sillier and, like, something that I would hear, I don't know, even in a cartoon or something. It just sounds really funny. (laughs) Yeah, every time anything moves, it's (laughs) (laughs) shing! And then I thought that it was funny that Gabrielle makes, uh, Xena's sound when she picks up the sword. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what to call it. And, actually, I do know what to call it now. I don't know if this is correct. They spell it U-L-U-L-A-T-I-N-G. Ululating? Ululating. Ululating? Or ululating. There you go. I don't know which one, but... Maybe because you, like, go... Maybe. Yeah, I thought it was funny that Gabrielle did that. I thought it was, like, kind of showing how much she wanted to be a part of the fight and stuff mm-hmm. when she picks up the sword, even though... She didn't do anything yeah, with sort it. Sort of how much she looks up to Zena. That's true. Yeah. You know, in their journey together, Zena's always like saving Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like feeling sort of helpless, and she wants to like be able to, I don't know, return the favor in some sense to Zena. Yeah. Something that I feel like I have to talk about because I just took a class on uh, race and gender and sexuality representation in the media and all of those things. Um, it's just like, and it's something that's not a new thought, but just the fact that the bad, the bad guy is brown slash racially ambiguous, basically not white. Um, and he's like, they obviously never show Morpheus. You're, you're talking about the main bad guy of this episode, that oh, yeah. the high priest guy um, of whatever. yeah. I think his name was Manus? Manus. Manus? Yeah. And he was basically the only brown person in mm-hmm. the show. In this episode, sorry. In this episode. In this episode. And, or or if there were other brown people, they were also bad guys. Right. And since I've taken that class, I've noticed it a lot more in shows. Right. Especially older shows. Yeah. And I guess it's it's related to that. But in this, I think this show does it a lot, probably. That, like... Bad guys, and especially, like, generic bad guys, like, you know, little minion people. If they're not already, you know, brown people, they, they like, dirty up their faces also. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. And make them, like... Darker look, looking. Yeah, darker <laughs> looking in other ways. And, like, I guess it makes sense because they're, like, bandits and they're roaming around and they're probably not going to shower all the time. And they even say all the time, like, oh, you, you stink or something i don't know i don't they don't say it all the time but like i'm, I'm i feel like it's come up a couple t- they've said something along those lines a couple times mm-hmm. um and so yeah they're like dirty people roaming around but like it it does like it has a certain connotation for sure this episode had it sort of gave another piece of evidence of of xena you know changing as a person growing in her in her, you know, journey to become a good person, I guess, where she goes into the shop and then the ex-mystic comes in and the the shop owner, like, turns him away. Yeah, she buys the the halter for this guy, I guess for his horse? Is yeah, that I what think it so. was for? Yeah. She, mm-hmm. like, did a good thing selflessly and without taking any credit, so. Yeah, I noticed that, too. Um, I also noticed something a lot more silly. I'm thinking about people on the show as, like, normal people, not as, like, mythical, whatever they might be. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a wizard, I'm a warrior, whatever. And so <laughs> he walks into the shop, and the shop owner's, like, really mean to him, and he's like, you have to get out of here. Like, I'm not going to, like, you can't buy stuff. And I was <laughs> like, why is this shop discriminating against old people? Like, I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> Before he said that he was a mystic, I was like, why is he being so mean to this old guy? And then they explained it, everything, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm watching Xena. 
I thought maybe that the shop owner didn't let the guy in was like a metaphor for ageism or racism or something. But we learn later on it's for different reasons. So because Gabrielle's feeling pretty useless, uh, she goes to buy a weapon. And I thought that whole scene inside the weapon shop was pretty funny when she like tries to pick up the sword and tries to pretend that she knows how to handle it. Um, and then she buys the boob dagger, which they called the breast dagger. Um, <laughs> yeah, nobody and that guy like mildly dagger. assault her, assaulted her. Like she's just kind of like, don't touch me. And he's like, no, look, it goes in here. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not the only instance of assault that happens in this episode. Oh, no. She buys that little breast dagger, which looks very, like, it looks useless as shit. Like, it, I feel like it wouldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. But... Zena uses it later on, so I guess it could come in handy. Yeah. Um, she shows up. She meets up with Zena again after the whole scene with the uh, the mystic when she when Zena buys the halter for the mystic, and they meet up after that. And um, the boo dagger falls through her dress, mm-hmm. and it just reminded me of all the times that I've put something in my boobs and it like falls through my shirt <laughs> or falls through, like actually or a dress, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just really fun. It's an awkward feeling and. For me, it's usually, like, my phone or maybe, like, makeup, but mm-hmm. a dagger, that that would have been. And she's like, oh, these clothes are hand-me-downs. <laughs> I don't know what's in here. <laughs> the dagger's just going to, like, hang out there for <laughs> who knows how long. When the mystic is putting Xena into the dream world, uh, he first gives her some kind of potion, and he says, here, drink this, then lay back. Mm-hmm. And so she has, and she, she already, like took off most of her clothes and then he gives her some unknown substance yeah. and then tells her to lay down and she does and then he's like oh here i got this oil and i'm gonna rub it all over your body and <laughs> it'll keep you from dying <laughs> and so when it's come time when it comes time to like use that oil he like dips a rag in the oil and then like just squeezes it on her chest. And it becomes like a Only. wet t-shirt context, <laughs> con- contest, except like wet armor contest or something. Yeah, he only squeezes it on her chest. Yeah, and that's the only thing that they showed, too. I thought that you were talking about um, once Gabrielle gets taken by Morpheus and she goes to find the blind guy, or the blind mystic, whatever... And he, like, starts touching her. He starts, like, grabbing her on for dear life. And it... Zena? Yeah. He, like, um... He, he goes up to her to kind of, like, see who she is, you know? After he's like, oh, you bought me the thing at the mm-hmm. shop that I needed. Well, Which, like, he blind. pieced that together real quick. But then I was like, oh, he's a mystic. So, like, maybe yeah. he used some of his powers or whatever. Or maybe he's just smart. Or... <laughs> Doubt it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, who else could it have possibly been that's true like why would he get a random horse halter when only two people knew he wanted a horse halter that's true and obviously the merchant isn't gonna just give it to him (laughs) doesn't like him yeah he like um walks up to her and starts like grabbing her arm very tightly and it reminded me of that bit in the office when michael pretends to be blind (laughs) (laughs) When, when jim and pam come back from their honeymoon or something and he like pretends to grab pam's boobs and it's Mm -hmm. really funny um and yeah, but I thought that that actor was not a very good blind actor. He was looking straight at her, which, like, maybe I'm 
not being fair because usually when blind people are portrayed in shows, they're not shown as like looking straight at the person. They usually look off to the side. Yeah. Because like maybe they don't know where the person is. I don't know what the reason is, but like I'm I'm maybe I'm just so used to seeing a blind person or a blind character in a show like not look directly at who they're talking to and that's kind of what I was expecting. So um I don't know. I don't know what's realistic and I don't know what's So I mean in that case then the two the two possibilities are this actor really knows blind people really well and so like he knew that like once a blind person is like close to the person they're talking to then like they have a really good sense of where they are so they don't have to look off into the stars well, like they're always portrayed meant, but. well no no i'm saying like that's so maybe he knows, like, oh, that's this is what blind people really do, and he, like, brought that to the character. Maybe. Or the other option is that he wasn't a great actor. And <laughs> he like, forgot he was playing a blind yeah, character. He, he, he just, like, he's just delivering his lines to the, the other actor's face, mm-hmm. and so he looked at them because that's, yeah, I guess you have to just... Let's shoot that guy an email. <laughs> Another uh, instance of, of a secret lesbian crush happening we should make this a segment (laughs) yeah this is going to be a segment instances of suggestive things happening between gabrielle and xena um when when xena takes the breast dagger away from gabrielle and she takes it then gabrielle says uh oh yeah i wrote this one too she Um, says i have the quote exactly she says as if your breasts aren't dangerous enough she said yeah she says it's not like your breasts aren't dangerous enough (laughs) yeah I guess we're left to piece together whatever that might mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It sounds pretty suggestive, suggestive to me. Indeed. I thought it was funny that um, when Zena's talking to the mystic later on, and then he said, wait a minute. Maybe you're the dream warrior that is supposed to come. And, you know, the dream warrior has a dark past and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And, and then she's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that sounds chill. <laughs> like she just she just, she she knew instantly. There was no like, huh? I wonder if it is. No, it's just like, oh yeah, that's me. Dark past. Uh huh. Yeah, I'll go. Got it. Let's checks it. out. Come on. It checks <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, I check all those boxes. Um, I thought it was kind of weird that to me. It looked very cool, but Xena's outfit when she's in the dream world. Oh, the purple yeah, I was kimono like, thing? Why is it a kimono? I feel like <laughs> there was nothing that indicated that it should have been a kimono. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was weird. It was a cute kimono, but I was still like, why is she wearing a kimono the whole time? And it was weird. Um, and Gab- when Gabrielle is uh, doing the challenges to become the to become Morpheus's wife... <laughs> Um, I, I was like, I don't know. I, like, she's supposed to be clever, but I think those monsters were just really stupid. <laughs> monsters? Or whatever they were. I thought they were monsters. The, in the first challenge. In the challenge, right? Yeah. No, they were those just were, guys? Yeah, those were just, like, servants of oh, the Oh, well, that armor looked like they were monsters. Order. Oh, no, they just had, like, goat heads on their head or something. <laughs> well, anyway, those guys were or very rams. stupid. Um, and at first I thought she was just, like, fighting a shadow. <laughs> just because, like, they took forever to show who she was fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that that scene was funny. And um, I guess she's resourceful because she got them to kill each other. But 
And by the way, the set for that first challenge was stupid. It was like, it was stupid. It was like a bunch of sheets, like dirty sheets in a hallway. Yeah. And then she's just like walking down the hallway. I felt like, okay, so uh, Universal Studios has really good mazes. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've been to some other... We're talking about horror Halloween. Oh, yeah. Halloween mazes that are literally just like people in costumes waiting around corners. Yeah. Well, those are like the homely ones. Yeah. And that's what it seemed like. (laughs) Like she was just walking down a hallway covered in sheets. Yeah. And then somebody walked by (laughs) with a light projecting onto the sheet. Yeah. The spooker. It was it was weird. It was a weird set, but it was convenient. And that's what they needed. I guess so. They needed it to be convenient. They needed something that um both the bad guys and could like stab through the like Oh, the you sheets. Know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think she stabbed through them at one point too. I don't remember, but it was just Um no, there a knife a sword came through one of oh, the sheets right. and then and she like and then she hit it, but her sword broke. Mhm. So well. And did she pretend to sneeze, or was that a real sneeze? No, it was fake. Oh, okay. She was doing it to, like, okay. say, here I am, mm-hmm. and then they would both step. Yeah, because she was coughing around and stuff to distract them. Yeah. Which, like, all of that, it just doesn't seem that clever to me. Like, <laughs> those had to be some really stupid guys. Right. Just, like, going one corner and coughing, and then going to the other corner and coughing again. Like, come on. Right. But then again, this is a show. Um, I don't expect it to be realistic. Yeah, I think I think that what was supposed to be happening in the first challenge is that she wanted to fight them at first. She like had her sword in hand, and then she tried to, and like I said, she she went and tried to fight them, and her sword broke immediately. Right. Right. So then she, like, didn't even have the option to fight. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the later challenges, she had already talked to Xena, and she knew like, okay, I'm not supposed to fight. I'm not supposed to kill them because then I'll be screwed. But in the first challenge, she wanted to fight. She just literally couldn't because her sword broke. And so then she had to be resourceful. She did, yeah. She did think, like, we did hear kind of like a voice of God or whatever, her conscious, when she was thinking about what Xena had told her. Um, and, And saying, like, if there's, like, if there's more than one person, then have them fight each other, basically. This might be related to your... You know, you saying the thing about the actors, the extras being, um, you know, locals to New Zealand or something. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I, I don't know, was the show shot in New Zealand? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Okay, well, um, one of the extras, or not extras, but one of the very minor mm-hmm. characters, I think it was a person that she had killed and was, like, haunting her. Yeah. Uh, he said, should I? And it sounded like shit I. <laughs> so I just wrote that down. Should I? I thought it was kind of weird when she gets, uh, kind of what you were talking about, when she encounters some of the people that she killed. And um, right before she fights herself, which we'll get to, but um, when she has, like, the first person that she killed and the last person that she killed, mm-hmm. and then she just kind of, like, to make him go away, she kills them again? Like, in the <laughs> dream world? I was like, isn't that the whole point? Is that you don't want to kill anybody else? I mean, she doesn't kill them, though. She just, like, thinks real hard and makes them disappear. <laughs> that that scene was funny. Like, but they do scream. They do scream, and it sounds like she's killing them again. So, I don't know what it was, but yeah. it kind of seemed to 
you know, be contradicting to what, what she was saying before. But it was just a dream, so she didn't kill them, actually. Right. That's probably what they were trying to get at with that. When Xena's fighting herself, one of the things that happens is that the bad Xena, I guess, is talking to her and then says, like, look at what you look like through the eyes of your victims or something like that. Right. And then, like, she, like, stands there and then, like, her eyes glow. And nothing happens. And Yeah, yeah, nothing happens. I thought, like, her eyes glowing was going to, like, do something. Right. She's just, like, standing there with her eyes glowing and then they continue to fight. And I... I think maybe you can kind of a little bit see some change happening to her face, mm-hmm. but it's so minor that like it didn't look like anything. It just looked like look what I look you look like to your own victims, and it's like your eyes look like they glow, and that's yeah. That, that was confusing. I thought that what was going to happen it was like I thought it was going to cut to. Like point of view of the victim, yeah, yeah, or something like that. But nothing happened. It was just Gina with glowing eyes for like two seconds, mm-hmm. and it didn't really add to what was happening in the moment. I, I didn't. I don't think that they achieved what they wanted to with that little thing. I thought. I think they were trying to like add on to Zena's like pain or whatever, whatever she was experiencing in that moment, um, and it didn't really work. It almost seems like uh, an idea that they had. Uh, that got cut out, mm-hmm. and they didn't actually cut it out all the way. Like, they're like, oh, what if, like, the bad Xena, like, makes the good Xena, like, see stuff or something like that? Or what if she, like, says, like, look at what I look like to your victims, and then she, like, turns into a monster or something? Mm-hmm. Like, one of those things could have been that. And then they, like, shot it. They shot, and they're like, okay, uh, Lucy Lawless, just, like, stand there and say this line. And then we'll cut to some weird stuff happening. Just pretend that that happened or something. Yeah. And so she did that. They filmed it. When they're editing it, they, they like, put it in there and they make her eyes glow. And then they didn't actually put in the weird stuff that was supposed to happen at all. Yeah. That's sort of what it seems like happened. That's what it, yeah. That's what it kind of seems like. I would agree with you, but, of course, we're just speculating. speculating. I thought, though, that that scene was pretty good. Like, when they're fighting each other... The split screen, especially for the time, mm-hmm. was I thought was really good. The like stunt people or the doubles who were playing the other Xena mm-hmm. whenever there was cutaways. Like there was a lot of like camera trickery where whenever one would move the the camera would move so that you couldn't see the face of the other one. And just uh, really smart stuff, I thought, especially for that time, I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah, a lot of o- over-the-shoulder shots, but there was also times when like the body double would be like, like after they tackled or something, like would roll over mm-hmm. in exactly the right way so her face wouldn't show. Yeah, and then, that's that's a lot of work I could imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, and there was always like a reaction from the other one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where like you didn't really feel like they were spending too much time on on one version of Cena and then not enough on the other version of Cena. Like it was pretty equal reaction. I thought. Mm-hmm. No, I thought that was pretty well choreographed. Yeah. Uh, there, although there was one shot that I thought looked kind of funny and it was a split screen. It wasn't an over, over the shoulder. It was a split screen where the bad Xena, like, I don't remember what she says, but she like puts her hand out, but she doesn't put her hand, she doesn't fully extend her hand. She just sort of like 
She just gives like, her, like, a little T-Rex hand Yeah, I, did, I didn't know what... I thought she was going to, like, do something weird with her hand. And it's like, what is she doing with her hand right there? And I thought about it, and I was like, oh, she's, like, extending her hand, but she can't, like, cross the barrier right. of the split screen. That's funny. I, I noticed that, too. You're right. That's really funny. She's, like... Yeah, her, her elbow is, like, bent and to her side, and so she's just, like, barely extending her hand mm-hmm. past her body. Okay, so at the end when they defeat the Mystics, mm-hmm. I thought, like... It was kind of crazy, like, how much of an impact that whole situation had. Like, oh, Xena, you got rid of the Mystics, and now our people can be together, and we can not discriminate against the Mystics anymore. And everybody's happy, and now I'll give you free stuff. Like, I don't know, it just seemed like, whoa, like, that's all you needed to do for this much change to happen? I just, maybe I'm having trouble, like putting it in the context of kind of like a mystical world or mm-hmm. a fantasy world because like in the real world or in I don't even know what to call it in other shows conflicts are not resolved that easily I guess right but I guess the way that the show works every episode's kind of like enclosed so of course like they were not going to make um a storyline that extended for more than one episode for for something like this yeah but i was like wow that's pretty i mean that's Zena is badass because she just like fixed everybody's life in this village yeah that's that's basically what it is every episode they come upon a new village and when they get there the village has exactly one problem <laughs> and it's gigantic and it can be solved with fighting and then Zena does solve it and then they love her yeah. That's that happens every time. So what do you think was the moral of this episode? So the episode starts with Gabrielle wishing that she could be different because Zena is always protecting her and she wants to be able to protect Zena sometimes too, or at least help her out in the fighting and stuff. But then Zena tells her, No, that's not really your place. That's not really who you are. And then later on, the mystic goes and talks to the merchant. And the merchant kicks him out, and, he's, and then the merchant says, or the mystic says, no, 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 I'm a different person now. I'm, you know, I'm not one of them. And then the merchant says something like, a griffin can't change its feathers, meaning, you know, a person isn't, you know, a person, people don't change ever. And then later in the dream world, Xena is, like, struggling with her past, and she is trying to understand her own journey and her own change and she you know eventually comes to understand that like you can't erase your past you can't completely erase who you used to be and it's still a part of you but you can still change moving forward and that's what that the analogy she makes with the the stone being thrown into the lake i think it has to do with that too yeah i really like that analogy i thought it was really smart even though they kind of make fun of it at the end of the episode i really liked it I thought it was deep, and it, it, it clearly conveyed just, like, the theme of the episode and the moral of the episode. I would rate this episode 8 Mystics out of 10. Because I felt like it was it did a better job than, like, the last episode of, you know, making a compelling story, you know, one that I, like, cared about. Like, in the last one, I, you know, in the last episode, like I said, I didn't really feel moved by the storyline very much it was just like sort of trying to set a gloomy tone and i didn't really it didn't really touch me that way but this episode 
I think, did a good job of making me care about the story they were trying to tell. I'm giving this episode 8.5 out of 10 boob daggers. I agree with you that I think this episode had more of a message than the ones that, the last two that we've seen. And I also really like that the writers found a way to incorporate um, Gabrielle. They're starting to incorporate her into like the like the A plot lines as opposed to the B, the A plot lines as opposed to the B plot lines. And um, yeah, they're just incorporating more of her personality and of uh, who she is basically. And I really like that. And it was just also more entertaining than the last two episodes. So I really liked it. So that's all we have for today's episode. Make sure you tune in next week to hear what we have to say about episode four. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Xena Podcast. And if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, you can email them at xenapodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you like this podcast, make sure to leave a rating on iTunes, and maybe we'll shout you out next week. Until next time. Bye.